Hello, podcast listeners. You are listening to another episode of The Long Journey Home. I'm your host, Corbin Johnson. Welcome to my car. It's a little messy, but I'm sure you'll find room, and we'll enjoy this ride to or from work together. Yeah, it was hokey. All right. I want to talk about rubrics today, and I want to talk about the criteria that went into 5, Make It So 5, and are going into Make It So 6, because I have been asked to guest judge Make It So number 6 as well, the Shades of Grey competition, which is great. It's a cool idea for a competition, but whatever. So why a rubric? Because the judges that have so far judged every single Make It So competition as far as I remember, have all quite arbitrarily assigned a number 1 through 10 based on something. And I'm maybe they have an internal feeling for this is a 5, this is a 7, this is an 8. And at the end of the day, maybe that's good enough. Um, because if a judge is consistent with himself, then does it really matter? Well, it kind of does. But shouldn't the law of averages take care of it? maybe, but if 10 judges judge a competition and my 10 is his 4 and his 4 is my 8 and his 8 is his other 7 and it goes on and on and on and on, did they all judge the same number of competitions? Was there enough competitions so that at the same point? No. Yeah, I, I don't think in the end contestants are fairly judged to be honest. And I think all judges should be at least assigned some rubric to judge from. But at the end of the day, who judges the judges then, right? No one, right? It's all for fun, except it's not for fun. There's people who um, have some emotional want and need to be a 1E designer, and this is their ticket in, and they feel unfairly judged because Judge A and Judge B think the same card is a 4 and a 7. And, well, clearly to him, the, the person who entered it, it was probably at least a 9 or a 10. And then the public thinks it's a 6. And then, well, you know, then what? And I don't think anyone's going to be happy at the end of the day. And I've said all this before. So why a rubric? Because we need a rubric. Because, yeah. And it's bad to define something by itself. But in this case... I feel the need is so great, just because. So, people are asking why I made my rubric the way I did. Well, I broke down the four things that were most excited, were, were most pointed out in the article of uh, number five. It was creativity, understanding of gameplay as it is, respecting of uh, current gameplay as well, and then the uh, elegance of the design of the card. Those things are very arbitrary, and they are not well-defined. Now, if you've been paying attention to the competition, you get nuggets here and there from the various articles, but at the end of the day, I think what the designers need is something to go by. Some, like a Bible, or you should do this and not that, and there should be um, experts to bounce ideas off of, and it wouldn't hurt, actually, if the judges were there. I mean, it's not a competition then, right? But if the judges were there saying, you know, you get a pass, right? Here's, here's my ideas. You know, please review them. 
Oh, four, seven, ten, nine, eight, and two. And then, and now try again. Fix those things. And then, I think that would be most fair. But this is for entertainment, and this is a fun thing. Except people are emotionally attached, and it's it's a problem. So, what do I want to do? I want to help as much as I can. I want to at least fairly define what it is I'm looking for. And last time it was only what I was looking for, not others were looking for, obviously. Maybe this time I can take the next step and do both. Now, that's not to say, again, that what I choose to judge against will be what others judge against, but hopefully I'll be better in tune with what everyone else is looking at, including the public. I could very easily make a 1 through 10 rubric that said, 1, fails to meet all expectations. 2, failed to meet most expectations. 3, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. And that would probably match the judges and the public fairly well. But even then, there's going to be disagreement on that. So it needs to be as clear as possible. So today I looked through the requirements for competition number six. And this probably is one of the best well-defined competitions so far, to be honest. Um, Except that I feel that the requirements of this particular competition don't make sense just arbitrarily and just my opinion that six shades of gray type cards is a lot of cards to make there was probably what 10 shades of gray like cards in shades of gray so we're asking you to make nearly an expansion's worth of shades of gray cards and caveat card pools that you get to use these against are maybe not so many anymore because of Shades of Grey. You're supposed to pick a subset of dilemmas and then go and write six cards against maybe not that subset, but maybe one card for a subset and another card for another subset, etc., etc. That's fine. So you've got to come up with six subsets of cards or something like that. Now, what screams to me, now that's a problem to me. This is a one card competition. I want you to bring your A-game card to your A-game Shades of Grey card to me, and then we'll talk about that one. Maybe two, I guess. Six? I'm not sure why six. Whatever. Three might have been more preferable, right? One card per designer, but whatever. It doesn't matter, really. The point is, the competition's here. It's defined, and you've got, uh, what, a week, I guess? So... How do we attack this problem, I guess? And how am I thinking about making my rubric? This is not my rubric podcast. I mean, it is about rubrics, but it's not the podcast that I'm going to make where I discuss my rubric. But this is a chance for me to discuss out loud where I'm thinking about making a rubric for this. So, um, Shades of Grey. What was the point of Shades of Grey? To make undervalued cards valuable. And it was strictly to escalate them, um, to give you choices. Um, and unfortunately, that's what it came to. There was, it was either that or those cards will never get played again. So that's fine. And, and it's okay. It was an interesting design decision, and we've stuck with it. And I think it was pretty good, actually. I enjoyed the pack era stuff that we uh, added to the game and all of that. So um, 
So you get to do that now. Um, let's just talk about uh, the competition in general then and what what it is I'm looking at right now as far as making rubricable... Um, yeah. So... Um, Charlie writes in his note in his article, Dilemmas must affect mission attempts and not punish players for playing the game. But what does this really mean? This is a very complex thing that I bet means a lot of things to a lot of players. But if you go back to Article 1 in the series about dilemmas, when dilemmas were the first thing to be made in Make It So, uh, it did a pretty good job of trying to break this down. But at the end of the day, it was also very arbitrary. And um, this competition has been full of gotchas. It's like, oh, you did all four of those things, but that card's stupid. Why? Because I say so. You get two points, you know. And I hate that. I absolutely boils my blood. And as I was reading all of the comments for, for number five, I couldn't help but want to scream at the top of my lungs, really, just how terrible I thought everyone did of judging this competition. All right. I put that out there. All right. Good enough. So, auxiliary effects, or no, let's start here. Dilemmas should primarily affect the crew or away team. Is this a no-brainer? No. And in fact, there are several examples in first edition of this not being the case, including the self-dilemmas, all the self-dilemmas. And this was, you know, and it points out in the article that that is the case. So, should you have to stick to this? Maybe. Depends on the judge, really. Is the people you, are the people judging you going to care about this? And I can't give you an answer to that. I can tell you what I think. I can't tell you what they'll think. Auxiliary effects should not occur unless the crew or weight team are affected. All right. So maybe everyone will agree on this. Maybe everyone will say, okay, you are using auxiliary effects? Cool. Did you affect the crew or weight team? Yes. Cool. I'm not going to mark you off for this. Again, it's going to come down to who judges you. Discouraging micro-teaming and mega-teaming. Okay. I think almost everyone can agree on that, even the player base. So, cool. So, kill, you know, maybe if you had a dilemma, and you're not going to write dilemmas here, obviously, but if you had a dilemma that says, uh, like, Fractured Time is a great example of this. You, you want with more than nine people? Boom. They're all dead, except for nine of them. And I think that dilemma, as, it's, as it is, is not going to get any play whatsoever just because um, it's so situational. That's the nature of 1E. But if you had a card that could download that, holy crap, that's amazing. Is it too good? Maybe, maybe not. But I would love to see like a dilemma in this competition just as a personal matter that said, you know, look at, you know, pin down and all these 2E cards that have been converted to 1E that do that sort of thing and, you know, lets you download one of them. And, oh, did you micro-team? I got the cure for that. Did you macro-team or, you know, over-team or huge-team? I got the cure for that, too. So I think that's an interesting idea, and I think people will love that. Someone won't, but I think that's kind of a cool idea. All right. Um, did you discourage dilemma cheating? Now, this is kind of my own... Uh, this isn't in, I think, any of the articles, but dial-up is a fantastic example of someone trying to 
make a card that discourages all the janky jank I was talking about on a couple podcasts ago where people said, where you tried to get around dilemmas. Getting around dilemmas is bad, and it, it should be discouraged if at all possible. So dial-up was great. It said no, no special downloads for you for three turns. However, you could also get around it. It was well-balanced. Three computer skill and anthropology. Well, I might not have that right now, but if I really need to download someone, I can probably get that next turn. Cool. All right. That's fine. And maybe the anthropology is less prevalent in certain affiliations where special downloading is more important um, or, or not as important, I guess, is what I mean to say. And maybe you can balance skills and think about it in that way. So discouraging getting around dilemmas is a great idea. You know, um, Stuff That Kills McCoy, The Hollow Program, the anything like that just that's great and uh skill gaining at a mission and now now this is where it's going to come down to opinion is it okay to gain mission gain like skills during a mission um well maybe not and Tui's answer to this is really interesting where some dilemmas just flat out say you can't gain skills during this mission this dilemma right now and that's cool and if we had something like that i mean psychokinetic control right in second edition, I think it's backwards compatible. If someone really, really, really wanted to go to the effort of making sure you couldn't skill gain in one e, they could play with that dilemma. No one's going to, but right at least right now. But discouraging that is something that I would uh, very much encourage, and I'd find that you know very good actually. Okay, well, what else can we look at here? Uh, so. Um, other things that kind of came up with while I was looking at the article. Um, consider the bounds of expected behavior. I, I think this was supposed to kind of discuss, well, you, you don't want to make the Q dilemma again, uh, a wall that you can't get past unless you have integrity greater than 60. That was bad So because it went back under or it was going to go back under at some point. And uh, <clears throat> you don't want that. And it made a big to-do about it. Everyone made a big to-do about it. So, the bounds of expected behavior. Now, this is the most wishy-washy requirement of all of them because everyone's opinion is different on this. And the only way to really iron it out is with playtesting. And I don't expect developers or designers to go through the effort of playtesting all these cards. And nor should they. Uh, It's a waste of time. That's what playtesters are for. Now, I mean, you could go above and beyond and do that. But at the end of the day, it don't because judges will be wishy-washy on, oh, it should have had three of that skill or it should have had one of that skill and too many of that attribute and that sort of thing. So, in fact, I would almost encourage players to not, like, just straight up double skills and double attribute requirements. I mean, yeah, a lot of dilemmas out there just don't really, you know, key off, you know, they're they're so bad because their requirements are so poor and because of escalation and all that. So you could do that, but judges are just going to be so wishy-washy on it. And I, and I'll, I'll have some defined thing saying, you know, uh, maybe I can come up with a test or something. I know one exists, uh, but it would be interesting to see if I come up with the at least some kind of test. Um, yeah. Anyway, 
it, careful with just doubling and tripling skills and doubling and tripling requirements. It's it's really wishy-washy, and no one's going to agree on it. Um, and worst of all, it doesn't reflect the real what developing is really like, which really sucks. That's one major problem about this competition. All right, um, moving on. The subset explicitly requires a subset of dilemmas to be targeted by Shades of Grey cards. Do not make cards that affect more than a few dilemmas. That is, in my opinion, if you wanted to make a dilemma that affects a subset of dilemmas, don't say if your dilemma requires security. I think that you will get points knocked off for that. And in fact, I'll probably build that into my rubric. Why? Because future-proofing. Uh, and that's not actually, I think, explicitly said anywhere. You know, why don't you do that? Um, well, future-proofing. Because all of a sudden now, future designers have to consider the sins of the father, if you will. So, don't do that. Um, and it's a lot of playtesting that you have to do at that point. So, keep the subsets simple. I'm okay with someone trying to do the Chula Dilemmas. I know there's, I think, 14 or 15 of them. And I think it'd be kind of fun. But, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually okay with someone making, like, a mission or something that says, you know, you can seed, once per game, seed a Chula Dilemma under something. Um, it's not because the Chula... There are several Chula Dilemmas that are just not that good, but there are several that are also good, and then judges are going to be like, well, you know, they could seed the Chandra, and then do you really want that? You know, eh, maybe not. Um, so, oh, it's so it's going to be so hard to judge this competition. And, um, and it's going to be even harder on the developers and the designers. They don't know what the judges are looking for because there's so many requirements and they're going to come up with something they think is clever, but then it's not going to respect precedent or something. Um, and I am repeating myself quite a bit, but you can see the frustration and the challenge here. I just don't think the challenge that we are facing, the contestants are facing, is fair. That's the problem I have with all of this. Um, so anyway, let's just keep going through these notes here, and we'll see what kind of a conclusion we can come up with at the end here. Um, so reasonable assumptions. So when you're designing dilemmas or designing cards that affect dilemmas, make sure the dilemmas that you are affecting don't do the following. Lock out a mission. Ever. Never, ever, ever, ever lock out a mission. I'm serious, guys. Don't do it. It's not cool. It's happened before. And when it happened, people got their undies in a bundy. Because, yeah. And... I think about executive authorization actually as kind of pushing the boundary here, which is fine. There's a ton of ways to get past it, but you have to have put certain cards in, in the deck. And it's an NPE for a new player who didn't include his queen in his Borg deck. But new players don't play Borg, so it's a bad example. They didn't include a legate, a legate in their Cardassian deck because they didn't even know that it was requirement. So, but did they include a pad? Probably not either. So, boom. Mission unattemptable. You need to have some way around something. Always. And preferably, it's some way around it that can be attained through normal means. 
Um, normal means being skills and ships. Um, not hard to get skills, though. It have to be normal skills or classifications or something like that. I think Medical Crisis is maybe a good example of this, where it's a really good card that you should still be able to get past, but at the same time, it requires a nurse or two biology. So you get rewarded for including something kind of obscure. It, you know, you included Nurse Ogawa, great, you're good to go. But you didn't, well, you're just going to have to go digging for biology a little bit more. Great card for this uh, particular example. It's not, you didn't lock out the mission. Maybe you have, you know, maybe put a DNA clues in front of it, you made it really hard, but I still don't think you've locked out the mission. So um, it's a good example of that. Um, but don't lock out missions, whatever you do. Friendly Fire has a countdown box, right? For a good reason. And Linguistic Ledger Domain, it could lock out a mission for four or five turns if you're very, very lucky. And I'm okay with that because you have to get very, very lucky. Low, and, and this is getting to my next point. Um, ships, you know, um, and, and my point is that when you consider making a very high risk dilemma, make sure it's easy to get past. Because ships, you can, you're allowed to destroy ships in one eat. That is okay. You're also allowed to kill the entire away team. This is okay too, but you have to make it relatively easy to get past. Crystalline Entity, uh, V'ger, good examples. Crystalline Entity plus Lore is still relatively easy to get past. I think you need two medical and two science or something. But, and you get 10 points if you get past it, so even better. Um, so this is, this is an example, I think, of good design. Because we are okay within 1E losing everybody because you can probably get guys back, and there's still a chance you can come back. Although, uh, it's kind of an NPE, however, for new players. They really hate it. But you should be able to have the skills. Now, this comes from a guy who's been playing against an opponent who keeps seeding devastating communique behind V'ger, and then, boom. I mean, half the time, I don't think I've gotten past it yet, to be honest. It's a great combo. A fantastic combo. But at the same time, I'm, I'm respected because it, it is good against macro teaming and going with a huge team. Um, you know, if you have a huge team, you should get past it, right? But if you go with a huge team that is just a bunch of, like, little guys that don't have a lot of, they kind of have random skills, it's pretty effective, you know. And if you'd micro-teamed it, well, you'd only have lost four guys and you get past it. So it's a risk-reward thing that I'm actually kind of okay with. If you went with a small team, you know, and, and 1E has become now, there's really no safe way to approach a mission anymore. And I really like this. I really like this part about 1E. It's usually safer to redshirt still, but with the with Q's tent uh, Civil War, you gotta go with four guys. And four guys is a high risk. Um, three guys was okay, you know. You could usually find three chums to just send on their merry way. And this is probably going to start to encourage players to play with lesser, like, one or two or three skill guys that they can play for free relatively easily. And this is probably okay, too. Well, that, that might be a problem. But right now, we are encouraging one of you to play lots of guys for free. As many guys as free as possible. And then we encourage you to redshirt. And maybe this is a state of the game we want to start avoiding. Maybe it's time to start shaking that up. Um, we have good dilemmas to lock you out of going with huge... Well, if you... 
we have good dilemmas to get around micro-teaming. You know, um, I think I think kind of the meta right now is to go with um, when you build a dilemma combo, something that locks you out of micro-teaming. You have to come back when you've got enough guys. And then kill a bunch of guys or stop a bunch of guys and then have a devastating impact at the end for not having enough guys. This is very... Uh, very standard and the way around it is to usually just have two teams expect one team to just get hosed and leave the solvers on another ship around somewhere and that's pretty standard and it's probably getting tiresome and I wouldn't mind seeing someone kind of shake that up in this competition a little bit so but how do you judge that I really don't I'm kind of at a loss for that right now Uh, hopefully when I make my rubric that will be reflected in some way um, and the more and more I talk about it, the more I'm really thinking about a 1 through 10 thing, and it's going to be wishy-washy, and uh, it's, it's just that hard to judge this competition. But other things I wanted to talk about, um, I guess we could talk about the dilemmas by type, um, and there's three big types of dilemmas in 1E, uh, walls, filters, and killers. At least that's the 9,000-foot look at... Uh, at dilemmas right now um, so with walls again don't you know don't lock out a mission just do not do that or I will be angry at you and if I even think that it's possible for it to get locked out I will probably be angry so but my definition of locked out is probably different than the mission, the definition of other judges so it's going to be tough um, what else do I want to say about walls um I don't have much to say about walls right now, but let's talk about filters. Um, Charlie outlines that a filter should stop about 50% of an away team at best. Chula Chandra, what else? Kite and Seek, not a great example of that anymore. Uh, the Arsenal Divided is, that's pretty good, and, and it encourages you to play with Universal guys, but that came out before TNG, and then that kind of got hosed. Now no one, well, it's played with less. It's still pretty good. Uh, you've got Kirk's Eggs and Cisco Eggs. Um, what I mean to say is, do you smell something burning and more of your kind? Those are good filters. I like those. Um, they're a little too easy to get past. Um, that's kind of, I think those were examples of us thinking they were walls and needing to make sure you could get around them, but they're really not. They're filters, right? And, oh no, I stopped 50% of your guys. Now what? Like, uh, I don't know. Did you bring Mr. Garrick? You know, no one died. Um, no one cares, you know. And then Vidra comes after that, and you get pretty hosed. You know, if you did something like more of your kind, devastating communicate Vidra, pretty jerky, but pretty powerful. And that's the state of 1E right now. But maybe you get lucky, right? Um, so maybe that's why we built in the orb icon on more of your kind. Because just for that situation right there. Anyway, um... So filters and then killers, the same deal. You don't want to kill more than a quarter of the away team. And Denovan is an obvious, you know, misstep on this. You brought enough guns, yeah, it will get limited to a quarter, but right now it usually averages more like half or nearly half or more than half even sometimes because guns are not universal in all games. Um, and you've got red Borg, so Borg have a, an out around it, but, yeah, it's you don't always bring guns to the game. So... Um, Considerations, uh, combos. Uh, yeah, 
that's the thing. Some judges are going to say, well, you know, did you think about this dilemma and this combo? Five. You know, because you didn't think about one stinking card. Uh, well, it's important. I will give you that. It's important to consider as many combos as you can. Uh, it's, you're going to miss something, though. That's just what happens. Access denied, Ferengi Ingenuity. Dejarin with Ferengi Ingenuity. Uh, you know, that whole thing was probably decipher going I just didn't think about it you know I don't know Uh, maybe Um, so what else so you're going to have to consider combos and judges are going to get their undies and a bondy over the one combo you forgot but if indeed that combo basically is just so powerful that your dilemma has to be scrapped that's what has to get done and I will try to reflect that in my rubric as well. You know, if you if you make a card that is better than um, bitter medicine and mixed with subspace shockwave, you know, if it something fits in there and it says you know stops all your navigation, oh wait, we made that card, and I wonder if we made it intentionally. But anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, but at the same time, you know, you're spending that seat slot, right? You're spending that seed slot for that extra insurance that the card goes off. So, so then what, right? I mean, I don't know. Is it good? Is it bad? Who, who's to blame? Um, you know, uh, is the dilemma an auto-include? That's a really good point. Do you, we want to make more personal duty-friendly fires? Do we want to make more access denied for ingenuity Dejarin? And the answer is no, at least in my opinion, we don't want that. And I think most players will agree with that. We don't want another dilemma that has to go in every deck. We want dilemmas that are situational, good for a meta, interesting in certain combos, good with certain affiliations, I think is somewhere that as a design space that 1E hasn't really explored yet, and someday we might get there. There are meta kind of dilemmas, right? There's the Romulan one, there's the Federation one. I don't think there's really a Klingon one, but there were two dilemmas that came out in AU that said if you're not playing Klingon, well, or if you are playing Klingon, you're doing good. And if you're not, well, watch out. Maman Picard and the little particle, sub-singularity life form thingies. So, and I, yeah, there might have been a Klingon one, but I can't think of it. So, and that's okay, right? The game was smaller, and it's important to think about stuff like that. Maybe we want to discourage an online play somewhat, you know? Um, maybe you could come up with a subset of cards that says, I, you know, this subset is now twice as good against non-aligned. And that's a really great idea. I think that's really cool. You know, all of a sudden, we're discouraging you from playing non-aligned. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's, you know, but not everyone's going to agree with you with that. But if, if and, and I wish Charlie had said, like, make subs makes, you know, Shades of Grey cards that affect non-aligned in some way. You know, that would have been good. Everyone could have agreed that, oh, well, I, even though I think non-aligned shouldn't be targeted indiscriminately like this right now, well, at least we can all agree that this competition was about it and we'll judge it as such. And here's another problem with the competition. So, uh, <laughs> I sound like an old man on the lawn. Get off my lawn, you damn kids. Um, what else do I want to talk about here? Combos we talked about is a card. Um, 
you know, uh, you have to consider the card that's enhancing the dilemma, right? You can't just think of, you should really, you know, devote most of your time to thinking about the implications of your card, but then you got to think about the card itself, right? Does the card respect all the stuff? And that's going to just complicate matters even more. The crux of this competition is, did you just make a dilemma that's amazing? And if you did, that's, you know, you have to consider that. But you have to consider the card too. It's an event. It could be nerfed, or it's an incident. Does it see? Does it not? Uh, is it a hidden agenda? You know, what prop logo should it have, unfortunately, because people care about that sort of thing. Is it a personnel and all the implications that come with that? So you have to be very careful and consider all these things. Consider the card, too, but it's more important to consider the, the dilemmas, in my opinion, and hopefully my judging will reflect that in some way. Uh, what else do I want to talk about? Um, is the group of dilemmas you chose, you know, does it... What do I want to say here? Um, okay. How does your choice of the dilemmas you're making better, how does that affect the dilemmas that are already out there? Will the best dilemmas not get played as much? You know, maybe you want to make dilemmas... Maybe This is an interesting idea. What about... Uh, a, a cycle of cards that says if all of your dilemmas or if most of your dilemmas or if no dilemma other than a Chula dilemma has come up so far, these your Chula dilemmas are worth double. Now all of a sudden, right, um, you're saying, okay, I'm going to reward you for not playing with personal duty and friendly fire and Frankie infestation and all that junk. You know, if you do all Chula dilemmas, well, guess what? Um, you know, you can kill a guy every time you hit a dilemma. Now, that, <laughs> that is a really cool idea. Is it good? I don't know. And we need playtesters to determine that. But it's a really interesting idea, right? Um, there's a lot of design space available in 1E where dilemmas go. And 2E hit a lot of it, um, but didn't hit everything. 2E said, you know, tragic turn? 2E's the, 2E, okay. Let's just talk about Tui for a second here. Tui is the master at this, right? Because 1E, you play with the same 18 dilemmas every single time. And if you don't, you're probably doing something wrong. Now, someone's going to disagree with me on this. But you, you're always going to play personal duty friendly fire. You're always going to, you've heard them all. But, you know, and if you're not playing with all the same 18, you're playing with, like, nine of the same. And the other time, you're just playing with some other dilemmas to see if you can find anything better than personal duty friendly fire. So, <laughs> How about we really shake things up? Let's make it thematic to play with certain dilemmas. And we tried to do that, right, with Shades of Grey and all that, but let's do it better. Let's, let's really encourage the players in some better way, you know, with like a Chula thing or something like that. Because Tui said, okay, let's make a kill pile, and we're going to make a card that supports it, and then we're going to make another card that supports that card. Tragic Turn and Ace, right? And then you're going to, you know, there's not a lot of design. I mean, there's lots of, you know, the piles are very similar. There's tweaks here and there. Um, and then there's a standard attrition, right? And then there's um, the heightened perception pile and all these different piles, and they're really cool. And then you, you're playing Deep Space Nine? Well, why don't you play with Key of the Alpha Quadrant? And maybe you're going to get, like, a ship or something or extra points. And that's cool, too, right? So... All we have are dilemmas that discourage Delta Quadrant play poorly, other than the nursing one, because 
that's the only one people play with. And then you've got ones that encourage you to not go with large teams. And then there's the point. You, there's like the you can lose points kind of style where you it's a bunch of higher the fewers and oh no's and stuff like that. And that kind of stuff is painful. And that's, you know, it's a one other kind of play. But really, at the end of the day, there's not a lot of interesting dynamics when it comes to the lemons and one So I challenge the players to come up with ways to make me not want to play with personal duty-friendly fire. And I've, I've made a lot of recommendations in this podcast, but those are just some of my ideas off the top of my head. And I'm never going to discourage you from trying to make me not play those cards. And I want you to just blow me away with new things, new ideas. Because that's what this competition's about. No, it's not. It's about you becoming a designer so that you can further blow my mind with cool ideas. Because that's what a designer's job really is. What if we gave Miles O'Brien Miracle Worker? That's a cool idea, right? And that's the kind of stuff that we strive to do and the interesting ideas. What if we made a card that said, if you only play with one ship that you can get it back later or download a different card just like it and keep all your guys. Now, that's escape pod already, right? Your escape whatever. But let's give it a better theme and that sort of thing, right? And what about um, a card that encourages you to play with the Borg in the Alpha Quadrant? Great ideas, you know, and that's what the playtesters are for, to make sure that those ideas aren't too broken I want cool ideas. That's what I really want to see out of this competition. But at the end of the day, if you're not making the judges happy, then you're never going to get to give us those cool ideas. So I hope someday design becomes a little bit more open. Everyone can develop ideas and send them in. You know, you're not necessarily going to be picked, but I want to see that happen someday. And I want to see a more open environment where the will of the masses outweighs the will of the anointed i'm kind of tired of the game being one or two or three people's idea of what it should be and because we have a lot of experienced players who know what's going on and they just want their ideas heard and there's you know aside from winning a design a card format or design a card prize there's really no uh, opportunity for anyone to do that Now, there's really good reasons for this not to be the case, and someday maybe we'll talk about them. But for now, um, make the judges happy, and you're going to have to read their minds, and uh, just have fun, right? Because not everyone's going to get to be a designer. And if you are, you know, if you get to be that designer, enjoy it. Um, Make some crazy ideas. Make this game different. Expand it. Keep it thematic. Keep it fun. And, yeah, wow. (laughs) What a rant. All right. Questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to call, you know who to contact. This is Corbin Johnson signing off saying so long and thanks for all the trek.